The Fanboy, episode 130. everybody, Mario Francisco Robles, MFR here with you, and this is episode 130 of the Fanboy Podcast. How's everybody doing out there? So look, this week's episode is going to be all about the Snyder Cut has come out, now what? And I'm going to be bringing on Screen Rant's Stephen Colbert to discuss that. He's done a lot of amazing reporting over the last few years about the release of the Snyder Cut campaign itself. And now that we're kind of moving into the restore the Snyderverse end of that campaign, I thought it would be fitting to bring Steven on to discuss, you know, the likelihood of that happening. The the comments earlier this week from Ann Sarnoff of Warner Pictures. There's a lot to discuss. So Steven will be coming on in a bit for that. But for non-Snyder Cut related information that we could discuss for now is this week there were a couple of big castings that I want to touch on before getting into that chat with Steven. So remember last week, unfortunately, I was made a liar. Last week, I mentioned that Billy Crudup is expected to, you know, I mean, was at the time set to return in the Flash movie. He would be, you know, reprising his role as Henry Allen that he did such a wonderful job at in both the theatrical cut and Zack Snyder's Justice League. I mean, I believe it's the first, it's the same performance both times. But either way, in both movies, his performance was terribly affecting, as limited as it was. And, uh, Right after I said that last Friday, they announced that Billy Crudup cannot be in the Flash movie, which is just a freaking killer. But now we know who's going to replace him. It's a it's Ron Livingston, most known for Office Space. I really like Ron Livingston. So this casting to me, you know, I, I, I feel like Ezra Miller and Livingston will be able to create some special scenes together. It's going to be weird, though, because I was really rather attached to Billy Crudup's portrayal and the chemistry that he had with Ezra Miller. But look, Ron Livingston is no slouch. He knows his way around. He's he's a veteran actor. And uh, listen, I, I'm, I'm ready to see what Mr. Livingston brings to the role. And uh, even if I am pretty damn sad that Billy Crudup will not be returning. Another bit of casting news that came out is that former James Bond himself, Mr. Pierce Brosnan, Mr. Goldeneye, is now going to be Dr. Fate. That's right, Dr. Fate of the Justice Society, which is set to appear in Dwayne The Rock Johnson's Black Adam movie, Dr. Fate will be played by Pierce freaking Brosnan. So uh, that was really big news. And then the last bit of big news is we're going to get a Suicide Squad trailer. And unfortunately, it might arrive before this episode comes out because it's supposedly arriving on Friday, March 26th, which is when this episode comes out. But you see... I'm recording this on Thursday. So chances are that Red Band Suicide Squad trailer that uh, James Gunn was teasing today, chances are that has made its way out and everyone's already reacted to it. 
I, for one, am very excited. And I'm also pretty surprised because a couple of weeks ago, you know, somebody asked, when do you think we're going to see more from uh, James Gunn's The Suicide Squad? And I thought, honestly, I thought it wouldn't be until May because a lot of these HBO Max releases, they've only been promoting them in the last like two to three months before their release. But here we are, March 26th. And they're going to release the Suicide Squad trailer, apparently, already. And you could argue, by the way, that all of these announcements are happening rapid fire and including the premiere of the trailer. You could argue all of that is happening to distract from what happened on Monday. You know, what happened on Monday when four days after the release of Zack Snyder's Justice League, four days after all kinds of sweeping positive buzz, favorable reviews, and ecstatic fan response. Four days into that, uh, there was a, a, a an interview published in Variety that poured cold water over all of that. And you could argue that all of these announcements that came out were almost a way to sort of like cushion that blow and maybe distract from that blow and definitely to make up for it in some way. Because yes, we got Ann Sarnoff basically saying, hey, we don't care how much you liked uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League. We are not continuing on. But here's news on The Flash. Here's news on Black Adam. Oh, and here's James Gunn's Suicide Squad trailer. All rapid fire on top of each other like that, you know? So you could argue that this is a little bit of damage control because, uh, let's face it, they did a little damage on Monday. And Stephen and I are going to get into that. So without further ado, here is my very long conversation. Long, I should say, very long, but very interesting and very insightful conversation with Screen Rant's Mr. Stephen Colbert. All right, so right now, it is my absolute pleasure to bring here on the Fanboy for the first time, and hopefully not the last time, Screen Rant's own Mr. Stephen Colbert. How you doing, Stephen? I'm doing great, Mario. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. I, I, I got to kind of start off by saying, like, you know, you're like Screen Rant's, like, mild-mannered Clark Kent type there with the glasses. <laughs> you follow the information. You've been doing great work for years. And I, I, I'm going to start by just uh, embarrassing you a little bit, all right? Okay. I'm going to put you on the spot. But listen, you know, I've had a bit of, like, a checkered run when it comes to, like, Snyder and his fandom and the whole release of the Snyder Cut campaign over the last few years. I've had times where early on, honestly... I was so put off with the way that they came at me for letting them know that the movie was being remade that I wanted nothing to do with anything Snyder for a long time. And when I would see that hashtag early on, you know, since a lot of my early interactions were with people who were very hostile and very mean and very negative, I was kind of put off. But you, sir... The, the, the stuff that you started to report on, the way that you would handle the information and process it and get it out to the world, suddenly through your reporting is where I kind of got re-engaged with the whole thing and decided, all right, you know what? There are good <laughs> men are still good. <laughs> there are good people uh, in that fandom, and I really need to start paying attention to this productive side of the campaign. And I, I honestly, I just need to let you know that your work really stood like head and shoulders shoulders above all, everything else I was seeing out there, Steve. Thanks. I appreciate that. I always thought it was important that like the, obviously there's, there's 
the, the necess- necessity of like separating fandom from like the information. Like as you were mm-hmm. saying, you'd report facts and people would like get upset by it. Yeah, and like so they think I it's thought, your personal opinion. Yeah, exactly. And I think part of what happened to me was I got so sucked into, ironically, the um, the the notion that the movie was being remade um, and and taken away from Snyder and being um, and being made lighter and Whedon was totally re- redoing it and everything. I was very um, bought into the the Warner Brothers narrative at that time, which was like counter to what you were reporting. Yeah. Um, and really leaned into it hard um, all the way leading up to the Snyder Cut. And the second it came out, I was like, oh, that's not the way to handle this. You need to separate the, like, really, it's really hard to separate that kind of bias and so to yeah. go back to the information and report that first and, and not let that stuff get in the way. And so it was kind of a really... Um, interesting kind of paths crossing there of yeah me learning like oh no let's get the information first and then figure out you know after that instead of uh, there's a, a a frequent tendency to kind of reverse engineer it which uh, yeah and, and to, also like yeah. honestly that came through a lot because obviously like when we would speak in dms and stuff like it's obvious you are passionate about this stuff and you have a horse in the race and a vested interest, but you also wouldn't just run to publish any weird rumor you heard. And you weren't just like racing to like, Oh, this fits my idea, my narrative, my story, my take. So I'm going to just run to the press with this. Like, you know, you always had a very sort of patient and measured response to any bit of information that came out whenever I, and you know this, and now we're going to reveal <laughs> it to the world. Whenever there's like a weird, crazy rumor, I go straight to Steve and I'm like, all right, what, what's going on? What have you heard? Is this accurate? Because, you know, you have your ear to the ground and a bunch of stuff, but you have the discipline not to just blast it out there for clout. Because, you know, it's very easy to just take these little crumbs of information and make it sound like you have all this inside info and everyone mm-hmm. needs to follow you. And, you know, so it's you handle it the right way. So I just wanted to, like, once again... Thanks. Yeah, thank you for for being a, you know, exemplifying the best of what bloggers can do. Bloggers get vilified a lot in the last few years, but the work you've been doing makes us look good. So I just wanted to start everything off by letting you know that, all right? Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, man. So look, obviously the reason I I brought you on was we got to talk about the fact that after all these years of waiting for the Snyder Cut, and for, in general, the the ins and outs, the backs and forths of finally getting here. The movie came out last week, and now it's like, now what? Where do we go from here, right? And Mm -hmm. earlier in the week, when we were, you know, thinking about having this conversation, there was still, like, a great deal of optimism. After those first three or four days of mostly positive coverage and critical consensus that was positive and great social media buzz and all of this energy around like you know what even people who didn't love Snyder stuff in the beginning were like I, I want to see more of this story I want to see more of this so we were all kind of riding this wave and we were on the vodka stream and Scott was really riding that wave <laughs> of positivity but then I, I'm kind of glad we didn't record the conversation earlier in the week because then Variety comes out with this interview with Ann Sarnoff, which really kind of like torpedoed everyone's enthusiasm. And yeah. I guess before we get into the actual just like specific quotes, what was your gut reaction to that article coming out? Ah oh, man, so many so many thoughts. But I think kind of the 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 bottom line of it is like anyone who um is 
kind of involved in this industry, even even if you're like a fan, but anyone that kind of consumes the the news without that kind of fanboy hat on all the time and pays attention to like how all this stuff works, um, you kind of know how studios structure their their rollouts and the way that they do press releases and everything. Um, and they'll hold out casting information or trailers or um, press releases or whatever related to other movies that they're not trying to hype at any given time because they want to make sure that they don't undermine whatever the current release is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so leading up to this, to the release of the Snyder Cut, it was very clear that like Warner Brothers was not treating this as a movie that they like cared about the performance. There were things yeah. like they like the reveal that mildly. Yeah, exactly. The information about like Superman reboots and stuff was coming out a few weeks ahead of time. That's just like a, a PR known. Like if 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 this was not the Snyder Cut, like someone would have gotten fired for for that getting yeah, out. Yeah, you're that, that, that undercutting was... your pro your product that's currently out on the market. Why would you undercut it? Yeah, exactly. And so then for this to come out so close after the fact. Well, not only that, but then also. Um, even even before that, immediately after Wonder Woman 1984, obviously they followed that immediately with a sequel, Greenlight, um, on like the Monday following, which was mm-hmm. it's one of those things that's, that's so fast that you're like this is not reactionary. This was prepared and held yeah. in order to give the appearance of being reactionary to make them look confident in the numbers. Um, but then also there was that Walter Hamada profile there, where um, a unnamed DC executive referred to the Snyder Cut as a as a cold attack. Hey. Yeah, or a story that goes nowhere. Yeah. Um, and also they talked about HBO Max um, being like the place for spinoffs and and shows and not for like their A-level content, mm-hmm. which is very contrary to HBO Max's um, or to Warner Media's HBO Max strategy and like what Jason Kylar wants to do with it. They want that to be um, to have content that's like just as prime as movie theaters. They don't want mm-hmm. it to be you see the real stuff in movie theaters. And then if you want to see, you know, that peacemaker spinoff, that's also cool, but you'll see that on HBO max. Yeah. Um, and so, so just the way that Warner brothers and Warner media have been, there's almost like a weird undercutting relationship there by its nature in the, you, you see it play out in the media in that way. Yeah. Um, and so then when you get to this interview with Ann Sarnoff, um, I'd say it was really weird, except for the fact that it's, you know, kind of par for the course. But where um, you are actively doing, I don't care about, we can talk about whether or not the Snyder Cut, if there's a future there or all of that stuff separately. But mm-hmm. just in terms of there is a current release that you have marketed and HBO Max wants to use to drive subscriptions. And they've spent a lot of money on too, like $50 yeah, exactly. to $70 million. And so even if it's a one-off, even if they, you know, there's no future in it, you know, take all of those things into consideration. The fact remains that the reason that it exists fundamentally is because they believe it will drive subscribers to the platform. Mm-hmm. And so not only are they advertising to people who are interested in the Snyder Cut, don't subscribe because there will be no more of this, but they're telling everyone who already subscribed and um, and is currently watching it and enjoying it, there's not going to be any more of this. There's, and, and like churn is such a big concern. And so even even if that is like the official in the book yeah. plan, yeah. You, you slow play. I mean, look at, you... look at how long they took to reveal that Affleck was no longer Batman. He was out. Yeah, he was out for like a year and a half. Yeah, and they slow played it because they didn't want to ruin the brand. Um, so slow or, play this, right? Yeah, exactly. So it's so it's so weird and and destructive towards a and there's all this weird stuff too about like where what is Warner Brothers and what is Warner Media. You know, HBO Max is a Warner Media product, 
Anne Sarnoff is the Warner Brothers chairman, but she is responsible for getting content for HBO Max. And so while she is not like structurally in charge of the platform, she is in charge of like sourcing content for it. And so there's a lot of weird intricacies of like who's responsible for what. Um, but I don't think that ultimately she is as responsible for HBO Max's performance so much as she is for just um, selling content to it, basically, as like a sister yeah. company. Um, I gotcha. But you, it's the type of thing where you can't... It's really hard for me to imagine that like Jason Kylar, who is responsible for making sure that HBO Max has subscriber growth, um, is happy with that kind of um, talk happening, um, especially at like what is the peak of interest in the uh yeah, i mean in the product it, it's so counterintuitive right like fan especially in like the last 10 years where it's like everything gets a sequel a spin-off a prequel and a musical adaptation mm -hmm. uh you know fans are used to like if we rally behind a thing we're gonna get a lot of it you know what i mean like if it's a success if everyone on social media is talking about it if you know like why would you not give me the next part of this and now here you have a whole like generation of people who are discovering Zack Snyder's Justice League, and you have a lot of people who who weren't even within inside the 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 Snyder tent who are checking it out and going, "Whoa, this is actually pretty awesome! I'd mm -hmm. love to see where this is going." Now, there's been a lot of that. Well, and also and, people going back and revisiting Man of Steel and BVS. Yes, and which saying, I plan like, on doing. And saying you know, beforehand, there are people that will watch it and say, "Whoa, this is better than I remember." Some of them were seeing the mm -hmm. ultimate edition of BVS for the first time, and that's almost always a. Even if they don't say it makes them love the movie, they do say yeah. that's definitely better. It's definitely the better cut, um, arguably. And then, and not only that, but then after people see the Snyder cut, a lot of them go back and watch them again. And it, it, there is a there is a net positive effect that seems to happen with time, with rewatches, with additional releases. Yeah. Those movies have really glowed up a lot. Yeah, and 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 the weird thing is, it's like. Here you have all these people now who are, are going to get this weird messaging too. It's like, oh wow, I I found the I, I I saw this thing, it's really good. Everyone online is talking about it. It's got all these exciting teases and all these places that it's going to go. But now it just seems like no matter what, these people just refuse to give me a sequel. It's almost like yeah. it's like it's this choice that they've made. Not that this thing bombed and fell on its face. It actually did really well by streaming standards. And, you know, consider, yeah, it's just, it, it, it's, it's, it's this weird undercutting your own product that's on the market thing well, that I just don't yeah. understand. Well, and normally also, once again, if you're talking about like the normal process of like information dissemination from the studio the mm -hmm. window like the time frame that that article was published is where you would normally put out like numbers like box office yeah numbers or how well it's streaming yeah and you're gonna say like oh it did you know they're gonna say and usually it's it's vague and it's it means nothing and it's gonna say it exceeded our expectations and yeah the and top it, streaming it, movie of the year yeah exactly it and 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 you and you provide a bunch of metrics where it's number one and of course you can find it you know you say oh it was better than it, it it streamed better than all of these other ones and more yeah. minutes watched than this other one. It's like, okay, but there's no, I don't know. <laughs> there's no way yeah. to know what any of that means. Um, but yeah, but instead of that, they, they put out this. And I think there's also, it's compounded by the fact that I think that they, um, it was less an interview and more a series of mini press releases. Yes. Yes. Everything um, felt very like packaged. Here's the information that I rehearsed that has to be put out there. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think it, it feels very much like either they're not paying close enough attention or it was done too far ahead of time. But 
regardless, they're they're definitely not reading the room because yeah. the response to the Snyder cut was, um, and as I, without overstating it, like putting my fanboy brain on, yeah, it it is like like the third best received DCEU movie, I think. Um, the first yeah. positively received Snyder DCEU movie. It's his highest rated movie on Rotten Tomatoes, which is period. wild. Yeah. Um, and the general, um, I think it's highly fair to say the general reception to it says, if I knew this, what he was doing, I would have supported this from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Or um, yeah. and or wow, there's a lot of people who say I was I never cared about this. Now I want sequels. Um, yeah, I think and and I don't know how strongly I can state that that's the case, but I do know I can say that it's consistent enough that like the value of the future of the DCEU in uh, through Snyder's lens skyrocketed, I think. Yeah. Um, well, well, on top of that, but I also feel like she con- like it's contradictory the message too because we keep hearing multiverse multiverse multiverse, right? Mm-hmm. So if we're going to live in this, if we're going to create this dynamic now where there are alternate Earths and branching paths in the story, then why can't the Snyderverse be one of those aspects of the multiverse? You know exactly. what I mean? Like it, it well, doesn't the whole make appeal sense. of the multiverse. Like that's, yeah. that's the way they sold it was it'll allow us to like and anyone that watched Fandom, that was the excitement was, whoa, you get Matt Reeves, you get James Gunn, you get Zack Snyder, you get Patty Jenkins, you've got... Yeah. Um, uh, the Muschietti is doing like you've got all these different, like very yeah. different voices, um, and you've got you know Todd Phillips Joker and you know all these drastically different things, and they don't have to all fit together, but maybe they will sometimes and not other times, but that's okay because we're getting all these great movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, I don't, I don't even know what they're talking about now because this seemed totally contradictory to everything they said at yeah, it at just fandom, it 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 just doesn't jive the the messaging doesn't jive you know yes we want to we have all these platforms and we're working on all of this synergy and we want to give you know every fan something to enjoy but not these fans who have been campaigning for years and not you know like <laughs> absolutely yeah you know it's like i don't know it, it's it's a little strange and we're gonna exactly do it, well once again to say it to say it so soon also makes it feel like a foregone like the, like it doesn't there is no there is no performance that the Snyder Cut could have mm-hmm. that would, like, for example, mm-hmm. Wonder Woman three got that that sequel green light on Monday. There was no universe in which that happened for the Snyder Cut. Yeah. Um, yeah. There is no place in the multiverse <laughs> where the Snyder yeah, Cut got a green light. Just crazy. Or th- th- where a sequel gets the green light on the Monday, but also that, like, like I said, I have no idea how far ahead of time this was prepared, but there was there was no. Um, it, even as someone that disagrees Foresight. with it, if I'm in if I'm in WBPR, yeah, like I I say no, just sit on it, just say nothing, say nothing, yeah. and then just and and just pray, and cross your fingers that whatever James Gunn delivers is so cool that people are like, you know what, Zach's doing Army of the Dead at Netflix, James Gunn is doing this awesome stuff with DC, we got the Snyder cut. We'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. But, Instead, they like threw red meat at his base. Basically, uh, they fired yeah. him up. <laughs> it was, and I would, I it here's it, it was so um, befuddling is the word that I know people keep on using, but like so counter um, to how they should have handled it. That I would say it was a brilliant stroke of viral marketing. Um, mm-hmm. If it yeah. weren't for the fact that she put her name and face to the quotes. 
Yeah. Like, if this was like it came out and it was like, ooh, an anonymous Unnamed. DC executive yeah. says whatever, and then all the fans freaked out and like because I think the, the spoiler alert: the end of the story is today, the day that we recorded. Um, Restore the Snyderverse trended over well over a million tweets for Whoa. the day. Um, wow. And that's without help. And that happened. That's yeah. how it got greenlit in the first place. Was released the Snyder Cut trended November seventeenth, twenty nineteen, with like seven hundred and seventy thousand tweets. And that yeah. was over an entire day of very coordinated, very structured tweeting by fans. Um, Snyder was dropping exclusive images. Affleck tweeted. Godot tweeted. Yeah. Um, um, Momoa was on Instagram. That was all the you game changer. They pulled yeah, out. They pulled out all the stops, and they got seven hundred seventy thousand. The impact of the Snyder Cut is that so many people are like, yes, I want more of this, that without any help or input from... I think like Ray Fisher and Ray Porter, who are like, yeah. Oscar, anyway, tweeted it. But off of the backs of like... You know, this is... I think someone... I think there may have been a, a plan, but it was not like a coordinated fans getting together and structuring just, this whole thing. Like, it was a grassroots it campaign. Was, exactly. And it, and it and it and I think it's still going on now. I mean, it was at like 1.1 or 1.2 million tweets for wow. Restore the Snyder. And that's not all that was either, because... A lot of this is just organic, you know. There's, there's, um, like blue checks that are that are tweeting it in their reactions to the movie. Um, yeah. And then, but then, in addition to restore the Snyderverse, you also had like um, Justice is Gray was trending, which is the black and white version of the movie. Yeah. Um, um, obviously, like H Snyder Cut and Zack Snyder's Justice League were trending, and then you also have um, um, what were people doing? Release the Snyderverse and restore. The Snyder Cut, I think, <laughs> like basically like every variation, wow, yeah, all these permutations. So I don't know what yeah. like the total volume of Snyder adjacent hashtags. Wow. Were, well, but I mean, you just blew my mind though with that fact though about the with that bit of data about the fact that like that weekend where you have all these Academy Award winning, you know, you have Ben Affleck, you have these big stars coming out. That mm. only got seven hundred and seventy-seven thousand or so, yeah. and here we crossed a million without anyone really. Yeah, in less time. In less time. Yeah. See that show that 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 shows you right there that interest in the Snyderverse, as opposed to dissipating, has only increased over time. They saw the right. movie, and it's and, not just and, the I mean, fans. People always use like the if you give a mouse a cookie thing with the fans, and they're like, oh, you're just appeasing toxic fans, and now they're just going to ask yeah. for more. Um, which uh, that's related to the interview a little bit more, but I think that they, once again, failing to read the room, thought that people would assume that the only people that are interested are hardcore toxic Snyder yes. fans. But the opposite of that happened. Lots of people, especially people who were like, there. I, I, at one point uh, after it came out, I searched in Twitter, I searched um, Snyder cut. I was wrong. Um, as like my search <laughs> term and yeah. the number of people that are like, if I like, the, like so many people came out and said, if I, I understand now what these fans wanted. Or Ray Fisher. Oh, I get r what Ray Fisher is talking about now. I thought that he was just being whiny about getting his part cut, but mm -hmm. he he was done dirty. This was like not just yeah. like him losing a part, but like this is a culturally relevant part. This is a a role that we needed to see in 2017. Yeah. Um, this isn't just bad for him and his career, but like this is like we were deprived of something great. Yeah. As a, as a, as a, um, and then in the behind the scenes stuff. And so, um, and so there's so many people that not just are like, oh, hey, this is a cool movie. I want to see more, but like, oh, wait, I thought they were toxic. And yes, people handled it wrong, but I now know what they were fighting for. And I'm sorry for snarking about it so much. Yeah. And so to follow, so to have that response, like that's, 
you that's that's PR you can't buy. I mean, Warner no. Brothers could not get people on board this train, and as they undermine it going up to the release, I mean, on the back of you know, out of pure artistic vision and brute force on the part of Zack Snyder, the internet basically did a one eighty on the most mocked thing on the internet. Yeah, in in recent years, and it's not Warner Brothers didn't do it. They 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 tried to undermine it. And so they like they're served up this like here's the cinematic universe you've always wanted, and people are excited about it finally like on a silver platter. Yeah, and they like literally did nothing to to curry that favor, and their response is no, we refuse. <laughs> like it's just uh, it's just honestly, I mean, you said the word before. It's befuddling. Yeah, <laughs> it's tone deaf, and it's very strange, and. I mean, look, there's a few places to go with this, and we're going to go into a few of them. Hopefully, I'm, I'm going to eat up a lot of your time today, Stephen. Yeah, that's but fine. I, 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 I want to go. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I, I want to go into a, a few quotes from Ann Sarnoff, but I also, since yeah. you brought it up, I want to kind of stick a tack, uh, stick a pin in this. I want to come back to it afterward. The whole idea of if I had known. Mm-hmm. I've been talking about this for the last few weeks, and even the last few months, in a sense, where it's like. If only they could have gotten their messaging in place to let audiences know what exactly it was that Zack Snyder was going for, and also kind of the fact that it was like a limited run. You know, it was like it was going to be like a you know uh, he had like his five like you know, what Nolan did, but saga uh, bigger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like if they could have somehow made it clear that this is basically just like a mini series, you know, basically a limited edition story that he's going to mm-hmm. tell. Um, I feel like people would have entered it with an open mind, but instead all the press seemed to be that like that this is DC's answer to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So people mm-hmm. are thinking, oh, so now this is supposed to be like the new gold standard for each of these characters that we're going to have to deal with for the next 10 to 20 years. And these are, you know, the, the standard archetypes of these characters. But when they, when they see what Snack was going for, where it is a little different and it is a, it's a, it's a visionary sort of approach to it with a very, you know, specific way that he wants to tell this story with versions of these heroes that aren't necessarily the traditionally accepted kind, people freaked out. But I feel like if they had gone into it knowing that, no, this is, you know, this isn't Happy Meals. This is Todd McFarlane collectibles. You know what I mean? This is going for something a little more grown up and that, you know, all right, let's see what this is. But since they never made that clear and it just kind of seemed like, oh, Marvel's just jumping, uh, DC is just jumping to their Avengers movie already. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? It it gave this impression that they were like rushing, that they were scrambling to keep up, that they were trying to build something similar without, you know, like properly building it, quote unquote, which who even knows what properly building it means. Yeah. But, you know, I feel like if people would have just known what this was from the outset, if there could have been a way to market that, mm-hmm. I feel like this would be a totally different conversation. You yeah. know, we'd be in a totally different place. But, like, like do you think there's mm-hmm. a way they could have conveyed that? I, I mean, I was going to do this later, but screw it. I'm just asking you now. <laughs> yeah, do you think, think there's a way they could have sold it? I think 100% there was. Um, this is something that I, I, I wrote like 2,500 words on this or something. So I'll try to keep the briefer version here, but you can find my article on screenrant.com called um, um, The Snyder Cut Proves That Warner Brothers um, Ruined Their Best Chance to Compete with Marvel or something like that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that was kind of basi- basically my... <laughs> yeah. Um, but basically, that's my first point there um, is what you just made was that um, there was this narrative... It was so persistent in the early days of the DCEU of 
they don't have a plan. They're just trying to catch up with Marvel. Um, they're rushing it. They, you know, whatever. And now anyone that is kind of, it can't, you know, there's an exhibit in, in Dallas, Texas right now at an AT&T place where mm-hmm. it's, it's all a lot of the, the nightmare aesthetic stuff from, from. Yeah. What, and the storyboards um, are out. Yeah, exactly. And so you've got costumes, but also you have the storyboards that Zack Snyder put together. Um, he, he charted out with Chris Terrio and then it was um, the lettering on them was done. It was like basically their pitch and the lettering was done by Jeff Johns. And then Jim Lee drew all the, like the um, um, images that go along with it. And it's just like eight, like seven or eight whiteboards of story plan um, breaking down the, the whole um, DCEU arc that he was building. And, Mm -hmm. and it was, it was very meticulously. I mean, I would argue probably more meticulously structured than like what Marvel did. Wow. As well, Marvel gets credit for Mm -hmm. like building up to, to Thanos. Yeah. Well, a lot of it is reverse engineering too. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I mean, like you're like, you, you reference Thanos in a bunch of movies and then at the end of the day, you're like, Oh, we planned that the whole time. It's like, well, no, his, he changed looks three times and then you retconned everything about him in Infinity War and just gave a totally new story. That's great. I mean, I enjoyed Infinity War one of my favorite movies. I think Thanos is a great character. So that's not to be so critical yeah. of them so much as like it worked. But it wasn't but obviously planned in advance. Yeah, exactly. So it's not fair. Planned. And Marvel's very good about like 30 films down the line and being like, oh, yeah, that kid in Iron Man 2, that was Spider-Man the whole time. Like, no. <laughs> a, how does that do prove that. the story? B, no, yeah. it wasn't. Um and so, but so there's this weird, Marvel became the gold standard of everyone needs to have a solo movie, which since when has that been the case in yeah. the history of cinema? X-Men didn't do that. X-Men, you know, I mean. And just in terms of superheroes, you know what I mean? Yeah. The X-Men had great success in the early zeros. Exactly. And there was never solos. Or just storytelling in general. You have these classic characters and huge archetypes and, mm-hmm. um, you know, Lord of the Rings didn't have any, any yeah. solo movies or. You know, you you have all that like, like oh you can't have a you can't kill off Gandalf in the first movie without doing a Gandalf solo movie first like wh- how are we going to care about him? It's yeah. like, well that's storytelling. Yeah. That's how you care about things is by storytelling. Um, and so you know obviously there's the debate over did they do a good job and all that and we don't have time for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and no one's ever going to agree anyway. But the fact of the matter is there was a plan. There was always yeah. a plan. And for some nobody communicated it for like some the, reason. The, the, the yeah. public relations at Warner Brothers never. Sound of the alarm. The only reason anyone even knew that these movies were coming was because on an investor's call, they were like, oh, yeah, we're doing some, here's some movies we're doing that leading up to some Justice League movies. Yeah, that slate that came out that people, you know, yeah. Exactly. And then you compare that to, like, what Marvel did, and Marvel got out and they did that event where they said, we're doing, uh, we're we're doing Civil War, and then we're doing, um, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy and all these things leading up to, I think at the time it was Infinity War Part 1 and 2 or Infinity Gauntlet or whatever. Yeah. We knew what it was, was it was leading to, oh, this is all about Thanos and the Infinity Stones and the Avengers leading up to this massive event. And so what happens is then they say we're doing an Ant-Man movie and nobody's like, nobody cares about Ant-Man. They're like, how does this fit into the yes. plan? Yes. And so in the absence of DC doing that, Everyone just assumes that, you know, they bring in their Ant-Man movie or their equipment, not that they have an equivalent, but I mean, they do something like that. And they yeah. say, well, the only reason they're doing that is because they're rushing it. It's like, well, now that you look back at like, like, for example, people are like, all oh, those dossiers and, and BVS were so rushed just to get those characters and they're set up for Avengers or set up for Justice League. Yeah. But now you look at that, that's, that's like a main plot point of Bruce is tracking down these characters, yeah. metahumans based on these dossiers that Lex Luthor collected because he was a... um um, he was paranoid about powerful people coming in and taking over the world from him, and and it, and it makes sense. And 
but without them having like the the closest thing DC would do to establishing any sort of expectations to me always felt very much like oh hey look we've got superheroes too or we're building up yeah. to a team up too and so they kind of fed into that they're copying Marvel thing like they wanted people yeah. to think they were copying Marvel yeah, um, it's absurd like which, if they would have had yeah. people like Zach himself or Deborah's a good you know, communicator as well like have people up front when these movies are about to come out or you know and kind of announce the big thing. You know, oh, I'm telling this like five part story. It has a you know beginning, middle, and end. Mm-hmm. And we're going to go to all these places. I'm kind of basing it loosely on mythology, and it's going to be something you've never seen yeah, before. This isn't. This is this is Lord of the Rings with DC yeah, characters. Not, exactly. You, know, you yeah. sell that to people, and all of a sudden they walk in. Okay, well, I, this isn't what I thought it would be, but let's check this out. Mm-hmm. You know, people kind of went into again. It was this Marvel comparison of like, oh, so I'm got, I got to see some traditional origin stories, and these are, you know, just the expectations were totally. Off. And then instead, of, instead of, and it's so weird because like anyone who's like worked in sales knows that like setting expectations is the number one way to sell something, and that's what marketing is, right? Is setting mm-hmm. expectations, and so when people would jump to the assumption of it has to be like Marvel, um, and say, well, there has to be origin stories first and then and then you can't you know you have to do all these other things according to whatever the plan is they never not only like they they never correct the the expectation but they um they made that expectation like they would allow this expectation to be set for here's how these movies should be here's what the tone should be they need to be funnier Mm -hmm. they need to be shorter they need to be whatever and then instead of saying oh you misunderstand here's what we're doing they would go back to Zach and say, you're not doing it right. Do it like these expectations have. It's like, no, your yeah. job is to set expectations. Like that's your yeah. job as the studio. Um, and so, and so then you let, you know, that's how you get Joss Whedon, <laughs> the, the director of the Avengers coming in to remake justice league. So it's and, the most cynical, like bean counter, like only someone yeah. that only knows about movies from a, the perspective of a spreadsheet would ever say, get mm-hmm. the Avengers guy on this. And it'll be like, I mean, and and that's something that I I brought up last week. This movie, you know, Zack Snyder's Justice League really hits a lot of the marks that anyone who wants to make a movie would want. You know, like if if you're running a film studio, you want something that generates this level of excitement. You want to do something that shows you a larger world and builds it out and gets people excited for sequels. And the only thing that this didn't really like, by, by my guesstimation didn't really deliver were like the happy meals like the little you're like if you wanted that four quadrant it's good for little kids and it's good for grandma too sort of thing fine but it's like although i do know of little kids and grandmas yes that have been thrilled by it now it is rated r so i'm not going to volunteer everyone's little kids to watch it yeah but it's that's not to say that it is absent of those things entirely no of course but when you when you Snipes going out there going, this isn't for kids and it's not your Saturday oh, yeah. morning cartoons and it's for adults. You know, like you could see how Warner Brothers or whoever would be like, well, but we kind of want to, don't say that. Oh, you know, like that, that's one area where you could see like the two sides are not really on the same page or like they don't yeah. seem to want to go after that slightly more niche, like grown up geek audience that Snyder's cultivating. You know, mm-hmm. it's this bizarre, you know, well, tug of war. Between and if you look and at him when he was. When he was before he left the movie, I think he played that game a lot more, um, where he would say like, "Oh no, it's it's still you know I think it's it's a more mature approach, but um, I think it's still appropriate for you know everyone's got to make their own decision or whatever." 
yeah. I kind of feel like he leaned hard into the this isn't for selling Happy Meals. This isn't. There's no jokes in this or whatever, because he speaking of setting expectations, he was making people brace themselves for that. Like, oh, this is just going to be yes. this grim, dark, horrendous, like whatever. Mm-hmm. And then I always remember that like Chris Terrio and Deborah Snyder and, and Zach himself before BVS came out, and there was even this rewrite that happened to make it lighter. They were always saying, oh, no, Flash is going to be like these other characters are going to come into this universe and make it lighter and make it funnier just yeah. by the nature of who they are. as Like this is Batman and this is Superman and this is what happens. This is what the world feels like mm-hmm. when Batman and Superman fight. That's not a good yeah. feeling. So the no. world doesn't feel good when Batman and Superman fight because you shouldn't feel good when Batman and Superman fight. Um and right, then, now it feels like you're yelling at me. All right, listen, <laughs> I had my issues, but I have an open, I have a more open mind now. Jeez. Um, and um, and then, uh, but you know, but then Flash is going to come, and he's a very different character. And Aquaman, you know, he's got his own personality and whatever. And um, and so I was always thought it was funny that Snyder was leaning so hard into that, and didn't know if that was him having an opportunity to do his own thing or or what. And then it came out, and I was like, oh no, he was basically trolling everyone. To say, like, this is going to be the darkest thing ever. And then it comes out and it's like, oh, no, Flash, like, in the middle of a slow-mo scene, stashes Grabs a hot dog a in his pocket dog. to feed to it. Like, <laughs> it's got, like, yeah. But it's not like a, it's not a, it's not a cheesy, like, it doesn't undercut it's the emotion. And, and in fact, laugh. when you get to the end of the scene, you find out, like, oh, no, yes, it was funny. But also, that was a strategic, like, he needed to have that hot dog as a part and of his it, plan to explain. I like Snyder does, he like, likes to challenge you, though, because he wants you to mm-hmm. go what the hell's the yeah. deal with the hot dog? Right. He wants you to have that, like, what? Oh, so yeah. that two minutes later, oh, no, there was a reason for that. Okay, yeah. all right, sorry. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I swear he he, he almost takes that stance. I oh, swear. he loves subverting <laughs> expectations. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but hang on, see, I, I, I keep wanting to get to these Sarnoff quotes, but then <laughs> I, I think more and more about all this. Okay, let's get to the Sarnoff quotes because yeah. there's still there's a lot more to discuss. But since we mm-hmm. are here, you know, when it comes to like their future, a lot of this has to do with like the connectivity of the branches, and she's very high on this approach of like everything used to be very siloed, now everything's going to be much more cohesive, and yada yada yada. So I'm going to read you a couple of quotes she had about where they're going. And then I want to get your thoughts on that. And then Mm -hmm. we're going to get into some of the more controversial stuff she said. But for now, in terms of where we're going, she says, we've got an incredible group of creators, television series creators, Mac series creators, feature film creators who are basically broadening the base of the talent that we work with on DC because we're so excited about the potential to build out the DC multiverse, which again, apparently means as long as, <laughs> as long as it's not Snyder. Uh, it's one of the reasons why I was hired almost two years ago. The before and after was it was very a very siloed organization with no connectivity between the businesses. DC was being developed, but in a kind of monolithic way in each division. My mantra coming in was to make it bigger and broader and we really want to surprise and delight the fans with more connective tissue across the various media and platforms i'm talking movies hbo max television and our games division so let's just kind of start there like what do you think of this messaging what do you think of this idea of it's does this does this get you excited not well it's it's so weird to like 
it's a lie, <laughs> I guess. Maybe I should start with saying, I, I don't know. I always try to, I'm like, how do I say this like the most, like without taking too hard of a stance? Yeah. Um, but it's, it's bogus because um, the movies were not siloed like that before she came in. They had already, they were already doing multiple things. Joker was in production and, mm. um, and Shazam was in production and Birds of Prey was in, like they were doing all these different things with the movies already. Um, and, and like the idea of, of using the flash to do some sort of multiverse flashpoint time travel thing. Rick Famuyi was, was going to do that already, like under, under Snyder. Like that's not, that's not new. Um, DC universe was doing Titans and swamp thing. Um, and those were different tonally. And then doom patrol, which once again is different tonally. And those didn't link up with the Arrowverse. Which is all Berlanti. Speaking of not having just one creative voice, Ber- they give Berlanti all the TV stuff. Yeah. So I guess they are okay with one creative voice. Um, and um, but then what happened to that? Like they canceled, um, they canceled Swamp Thing because it wasn't close enough in tone to like the other Arrowverse stuff. Mm-hmm. It was like it was, it was which such a great. It was like the most unique kind of superhero show out there in terms of tone. And like I love mm-hmm. what they were doing with that. Um, and so so to suggest that like there was this monolithic approach like I, I will agree like maybe there's disorganization and a need for a plan when she came in so that's not to say that there wasn't need for work to be done but there was not it, it feels very much like gaslighting to say like oh before I got here it was all Snyder's way all the time it's like well he was long gone by the time she came in um, and and even under him it wasn't you know a singular creative voice from him yeah. um, well, and she has more to yeah. say on this isn't so, it <laughs> said creators want to have franchises that are larger than life but oftentimes you start working with a company and that company has discrete divisions so you become a film creator you become a television creator and never the twain shall meet my role is to pull people together towards a vision that can make the whole more than the sum of its parts one of the key aspects of that is having a long-range plan these movies and TV series can take two plus years to make. So if you're not planning out and bringing other people into the plan that further accentuates the silos, it's having the plan. And then it's having the strategy where all the various businesses work in harmony to create the plan. It seems logical, but it's very rarely done. Well, one of the things that I said to the group early was never let your fans see your org chart and boy, could the fans see our org chart in 2019. I mean, can I just say, before you respond, I feel like, again, it's funny, I have like a Nintendo connection to this, where like there was this time like a bunch of years back where all the big companies were putting out their next-gen consoles and they were showing off all the horsepower and all the amazing things they're going to do, and Nintendo was in hell-bent on going, but no, we're going to keep everything lo-fi, but we have connectivity. You can play your Nintendo on your DS also, and there's functionality. It's like, you're not speaking to me. You, you have this idea, but you're not hearing me. You're mm-hmm. trying to sell me on this other thing when I'm asking you for something else. You know, so that it just seems very sort of tone deaf to me. And also, I will add, though, some of this and tell me what you think. Some of this almost feels like it might have come to them from J.J. Abrams. And I say that because when he went over to Paramount, I remember reading stories that he was really hoping to be able to do the Star Trek movies as well as TV series. And then he discovered that it's actually like separate entities and that they don't have the rights to the TV stuff. And he was sort of like, 
over that. You know, like, like that was an upsetting aspect of it for him. I feel like part of the bad robot entering Warner Brothers fray was he probably also like demanded like, well, we need to have synergy across all departments. You know, mm -hmm. did you ever hear that about Abrams? Um, I've I've heard that specifically about him at Warner Brothers. Actually, I wasn't as familiar really? with his um with his Paramount background. Yeah, but I mean they've bet very big on Abrams, and um I don't know, I don't know how much of it is like demands being made by him necessarily. But I my what I I've heard a number of times is that they want to make Abrams happy. Mm, um, yeah, and so and I know that he's interested in doing things like a, like Superman and all that. Yeah. Um. So that doesn't shock me at all to to hear that. Um, yeah. So I mean, it's it's, rel it's sort of hearsay, but it it lines up with what you're saying about his history is. So mm -hmm. I thought I'd mention it. And then, okay, another quote that I wanted to get to from Ms. Sarnoff, which is in, with regard to listening to the fans and all that sort of stuff, but also how like they're shifting their approach a bit. She said, "We're always going to listen to our fans, but we are in service of the broadest fan base, and we owe them an integrated." holistic strategy we are the shepherds of the franchise and hopefully when the fans see what we've got in store they'll know that dc is in good hands across many different platforms with many different creators we want different voices in the mix for certain fans that want singular voices <clears throat> they may be disappointed but we would ask them to be patient and see what we've got in store because perhaps the newer voices in the mix will have just you're shaking your head will have just as compelling stories to tell on balance you of course want to listen to your fans but we do want to stay true to our vision and our mission for dc and build that out so i feel like the big the big one here is that 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 that, that juicy little you know for certain fans that want singular voices they may be disappointed yeah uh, what did you think of all that um well once again i gotta approach it from a few different angles and like so first of all taking off the fanboy hat and even taking off like the journalist hat like looking at this in terms of as a like a marketing or a pr statement um you don't <laughs> don't ever tell your fans they're going to be disappointed like that that's like that is a that's a, a rule like I'm, I'm so confused reading this entire thing about who crafted it and who advised on it and like who reviewed it because it's it's breaking all these rules about like and not in a like rebellious like maverick way but in a like never say you might be disappointed say um say what you should look for like don't like they're they're, they're saying that we have a plan and they're saying no and we're not going to what your... you like but give us a chance like, yeah but like where's a... where's the plan they've been saying they have a like there's there is no plan there was a plan under snyder and then they canceled that and then they've been saying that they're going to build a plan for years now. It sounded like they had had maybe not a plan, but a excuse to not have a plan with the multiverse. That sounded kind of exciting and like it would work as a kind of chaos concept. And now they're once again saying like, oh, we've got a plan and we won't tell you what it is. We will tell you that you'll be disappointed, but we hope that you'll be patient because it will pay off. But we can't tell you why it'll pay off. Like it's 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 a baffling it's God I can't damn interview Stephen. <laughs> like, I'm not joking. People should be fired for this. <laughs> like, it's, like whoever okayed these quotes, it it just it's it makes and, no sense. And the the closest thing that I can think of that that frankly makes sense, in which case it's a once again taking off my my fanboy hat, is if what they said was you know what 
Snyder fans are stopping us from doing what we want to do. Mm. Um, we need to just tell them to screw off um, and to say, you're not going to, we're not going to provide what you want. And so if that's, you know, follow him on Netflix, we don't want you anymore. Get out of here. Um, this is very effectively doing that. It's, yeah. Um, and if the, and if they decided, you know what, the loss of trashing them and getting rid of them is acceptable. If it means that we can do whatever we want to do without having to deal with these hashtags all the time or whatever. Yeah. Um, then and it's an acceptable loss and maybe strategically I can understand that. But even so, once again, read the room, you're no longer dealing with this minor, like vocal minority of, of people who are just kind of making noise on Twitter. This is now like Snyder won people over to his vision. Snyder convinced yeah. people he was doing the right thing right before you decided to say, Nope. <laughs> um, and listen, for those of us too, by the way, who like like have a weird relationship with Snyder's films, seeing this movie and getting sold by it feels like jumping on the train just as it stops running. You know what I mean? It's like yeah, I just got exactly. on and well, oh, we're not going anywhere. And, okay. And I, I think I've mentioned the term <laughs> gaslighting a handful of times also because yes. it feels like like very literally in in the way that it's there's a lot of things that are said in here, like like what she talks about. Some fans might want a singular creative voice, and there's like a lot of projection in there that is not. Yes, there are some Snyder fans that want him to do everything and have only his voice exist, and that's that's wrong. But it's such a such a minority. Most people who who like want to restore the Snyderverse, for example, aren't saying cancel Suicide Squad and cancel um, yeah, the Flash and all this. Also, they're saying, us. "Hey, we're doing the multiverse. Awesome! Finally." Like actually, uh, most Snyder fans that I uh, that I know, when they knew that the Snyder Cut was coming and they knew the multiverse was coming, they're like, "This is perfect." Yeah. Now we can get these Snyder movies, and these haters aren't gonna feel like um, it's their job to tear it down because we can coexist. You can have your, you know, yeah. we can have a Henry Cavill, Zack Snyder Superman at the same time as we have another Superman, mm-hmm. and everybody can be happy. Just and, like we're gonna do with Batman, and you know, next year. Yeah, exactly, know? and then. And so that that's kind of what was going on. And now they're and now they're they're taking that away and saying like, oh, no, everyone could have been happy. But now we're only going to service one one side of this. And once again, why does this even need to be said? And it feels arbitrary. Again, if you're saying that, like, we want to work with a wide range of filmmakers and across a wide range of things. Then why would you shut out one of those? And and why does this need to come out at all? Or yep. why does it need to come out? Like, what if they had just said nothing? What, I don't know, what What did they need to stop from, like, they needed to nip it in the bud before people are, like, hashtagging the Snyder Cut stuff for James Gunn's, like, that's going to happen anyway. Yeah. Um, but, <laughs> but, like, for me, like, and for me also, like, the last bit of contradiction there is also, like, multiverse implies infinite possibilities yeah but everything she's saying here is about how interconnected everything is going to be yeah exactly so it's like or she's well, saying which like, is it she'll say yeah the multiverse we want diverse voices um but, but we don't want to have this diverse yeah. voice um and it's it's so yeah it's 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 not only contradictory with what they've said in the past or what their kind of strategy we thought was but with with the, from sentence to sentence it's contradictory um, and then once again, with like the gaslighting of, of saying some people want one creative voice and we're not going to do that. Or, you know, some people want this or this is what we've done in the past. It's like, that's not what it was in the past. That's not what people are campaigning for. That's not what people are wanting. 
it seems to very it seems to it, it feels like the target audience for this is like the people who if you see on twitter like there'll be a trailer that'll come out for um uh, like what you know let's say like for suicide squad or something will come yeah. out and someone on twitter that like doesn't follow movie news will be like oh until they get away from this snyder grim dark that i'm not and it's like he's got nothing to do with this anymore nothing. but yeah. there's some people that don't know and, and so it feels like maybe they were like catering this whole thing to those people but i yeah. think that's an even smaller minority than snyder fans it's like, you, like you're not there's no one to win over with this it's yeah. it's baffling befuddling is <laughs> hashtag befuddling yeah. uh, i'm gonna read you the last quote about this and then we'll we'll, we'll discuss one some more befuddling things but here's the yeah. last thing she said specifically when asked about um you know if we're going to continue because now people are tweeting restore the snyderverse and she said I appreciate that they love Zack's work, and we are very thankful for his many contributions to DC. Arya, we're just so happy that he could bring his cut of the Justice League to life because that wasn't in the plan until about a year ago. With that comes the completion of his trilogy. We're very happy we've done this, but we're very excited about the plans we have for all the multidimensional DC characters that are being developed right now. Um, Once again, throwing words in there, like to, as if his characters weren't multidimensional. Yeah, like, like it's just it's it's you can you can read like I react very strongly to things when I can see puppet strings. Yeah, <laughs> um, and this is something where like, I can see a sh puppet I string attached string. to every yeah. single thing she says, and that's it's opaque. It's it's or I shouldn't say opaque. It's transparent. It's 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 um it they, they didn't do a temperature. They didn't read the room. They, there's just so many. Like and you know what she's trying to say and who she's trying to say it mm -hmm. to, but it's like passive aggressive. It's, it's and this is it's, the the chairman of this is Warner the Brothers Pictures. Yeah. Like <laughs> even Kat, like like look at Star Wars and like how much insanity goes on with Star Wars fans, like the fandom menace and stuff. And like even Kathleen Kennedy doesn't come yeah. out and say she doesn't come out and talk about and say this stuff. stuff. And you know what? And they're fine. They've got like an insanely toxic, like very organized, very vocal section of their fandom that like commands way more sway than yeah. Snyder fans do that cause all sorts of problems um, and spread hash. You know, they bully Kelly Marie Tran off of Twitter and, and or off of um, Instagram and stuff like that. That's a very problematic group yeah. in way different ways than like, than Snyder fans are um, or like the bad Snyder fans are. But, um, but like, even they don't feel like there's any pro any um, benefit to be had from coming out and saying like, you're never going to be happy with our movies. So yeah, like, Yeah. And listen, and, and like, if I'm reading this, right, because Variety has a very, you know, far reach. It's not just like people who read comicbook.com or Den of Geek, you know, <laughs> like this is like people, you know, serious people read Variety. And if I'm a serious person who happened to see Zack Snyder's Justice League, or if I heard all my friends talking about it or my kids talking about it and it's all over social media and, and it, I mean, I guess it, for the scenario I'm about to point out, I guess I have to have seen it. So let's say I've seen this movie. I'm excited for it. It ends on sort of a cliffhanger. It drops all these hints about places we're going to go next. And now I'm mm. just excited to find out, all right, so where are we going from here? This quote saying, with that comes the completion of his trilogy. That doesn't mm -hmm. sound right. 
That would yeah. sound right if the movie I just saw was clearly the end of a story. But mm -hmm. this is not that. So unless you're going to address, well, then why are you deciding to not continue this story? That's like the elephant in the room. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like you said, it makes it seem like no matter how well this thing performed, no matter what happened, they were going to say this. But it's like you're calling it the completion, but this story in no way presents itself as the end of the story. So yeah, you got to justify is, calling it the completion. Why exactly, is it the completion? Which is why I say it feels like it's passive aggressive. And I feel like people can who are reading it read it as passive aggressive too. Because even if you're someone who, who is not that familiar with that and you read that and you're like, why are they – like she's pushing a narrative here. Yeah. Why is she pushing – what narrative is there to push? Um, and, and once again, why, why does this need to come out the Monday after this movie comes out? Like it's – it feels shrewd and cynical and strange. Yeah. But, you know, there, there's one aspect of this, actually. Like, you know, if we can remove all the weird puppet string stuff and we can remove how Anne Sarnoff seems to not be the best messenger for this weird message she gave us. Mm -hmm. um, something did kind of dawn on me the other day, though, as I was thinking about this a little more, which was... There's a way to look at this news, though, as in a way it's what people were asking for for years. Because if you recall, mm -hmm. there was a lot of concern around the fact that DC directors had like no control over their movies and the studio was micromanaging everyone and everything had to fit. You know, I mean, you know, in theory, like everything had to fit the way they wanted it to be. And now we're, we're doing this thing where all these creators just get to create in their own sort of pockets and they can expand on their worlds and they could have, you know, Matt Reeves can make a TV series about Gotham PD and James Gunn can make the peacemaker. And in general, like it, the, the filmmakers seem to have the, the ability now to really kind of let their imaginations run wild and build out their worlds. So Except I guess just Snyder. another way, huh? Except for Zack Snyder. Except for Zack Snyder. <laughs> Except for Zack, which again, right. that's the bizarre thing. But mm -hmm. it's like in terms of this approach, you could argue that like after everyone found out about the atrocities of 2016, where they, you know, they they took over the BVS and chopped off a half hour, or where they did what they did to David Ayer's Suicide Squad, you know, after all that, and then especially in 2017 with what happened with Zack with Joss Whedon, there was all of this concern about like the directors who work on DC films are getting hamstrung by these powers that be. Right. So you could argue now that now that they're taking more of this approach where like all the creators kind of get to create and build out their own pocket universes and we're going to, you know, we're just going to help the synergy happen for them. Yeah. You know, you could almost argue that this is part of what we wanted, right? In a way you could. And I think that's a, a really good point that, it raises some additional problems, but also maybe tells me where this would have been the best place in time to say this. Mm -hmm. um, is that I think you make a good point about how they have problems with the past, but because of the angling on this, because she also says, um, no, we're not developing the air cut, which, once yeah. again, why, just, why say that definitively? Yeah. Um, which also, like, none of that even matters because they already said, like they said n numerous times, the Snyder cut didn't exist and the Snyder cut wasn't going to be released, which once again, t speaking of like gaslighting their audience. Yeah. Um, yeah they've been at this for a while. They got a head start. <laughs> and then, um, but it's, 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 it's almost like victim blaming Snyder and Ayer um, by positioning it as if they were being like held hostage by 
a single creative vision from them where like per your point a lot of the problems that arose from them were was because of studio interference and creative mm -hmm. not being able to create and so to get yeah. out of that era and and to get the snyder cut out and treat that as like a, ah finally we're free of snyder now we're no longer going to have those problems was like no snyder was the victim of those problems and now you're kicking him to the curb as if he was yeah, causing the problems. Yeah, just as you problems. figured out how to let people do their thing, you're yeah. kicking him out of um, the... <laughs> and if, if we're going to say, like, okay, let's say all these things are necessary to say in some capacity, what would have been the smart way to do it um, would be wait until after the Suicide Squad comes out. Presumably that's going to be good. I think I'm excited for it. I think yeah. it's, it, it looks like it's going to be really exciting. Um, you know, James Gunn, I think, has a pretty good track record with doing this kind of stuff. I think the studios put a lot of um, weight behind it. So the Monday after the Suicide Squad comes out, um, you come out and give a very, you know, you don't do this yet. You, you're, you're quiet between the Snyder Cut and the Suicide Squad. The Suicide Squad comes out. Between now and then, Army of the Dead has come out. People are excited about Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead universe over at Netflix. Um, sure, there's Snyder, there's Snyderverse stuff still percolating because people are curious and excited. Um, but you're on the high of, oh, this is what the post Snyder cut universe looks like. Mm -hmm. and, you, and you come out and you give a very similar interview where you say, we're so excited. Um, yes. This is what the future of the, the franchise, you know, you don't need to say, we promise we have Make a plan. Make it as you say, part hey, of a victory lap yeah. on your next Instead chapter. of coming out and smashing a, right a success... Yeah, the, instead of instead of diminishing what is hot, you come out and you say, "Ah, we're glad everybody loved the Suicide Squad. You can expect a lot more of this kind of creative vision and freedom from other yeah. directors." Um, and then if somebody says, "Like, well, the Snyder Cut was a big deal. You're gonna do more of that." You're like, you know what? We've got so many hot things. Um, we know we're we're thrilled. People are excited about the Suicide Squad. We're gonna continue to pursue that. There are no Snyder projects in the works right now. Um, you know, yeah, we, be vague, like, like, be coy. Exactly, and then just like. And I always, I always tell um, uh, writer like scoopers <laughs> the same thing online is that you get these like, wars on Twitter about who's right and who's wrong. It's like, look, the facts are going to come out eventually. If you're right, if you are in the right, no need to fight anybody and like be on the record for saying nasty things in a fight. Just put out your info and then quietly wait, and then you'll be proven right eventually, or you'll be proven wrong eventually. Yeah. But now she's on the record saying all this stuff, and so like, what does it mean if? So now. So now she is public enemy number one for the million people who are tweeting that they want more Snyderverse. Yep. Um, and if they renege on that claim that there's not going to be any more, her name and face is on that instead of a nameless executive. Like, I would say that's her job, right? If she has yeah. stated in an interview, like, my job is to not let this happen, and then they decide to go reverse on it, that's basically, I, I would, like... You it's leave the company bizarre. then, right? Like, I don't I mean, know. You, and you got to think about it like a promoter. Like, you know, to pull out another weird comparison. I bought in video games before, Nintendo. And I'm going to bring in wrestling. Because, like, Vince McMahon always lives by the mantra of never say never. You never know what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. And because, you know, because even if, like, there's, like, you know, uh, let's say we're still sticking with, like, wrestling and stuff. But, like, they'll ask him, like, will a certain controversial wrestler ever be back in the company or whatever after they burnt the bridge? And he never says no. It's always, well, we'll see. You never say, you, mm -hmm. you never say never in this business. Yeah. And I feel like as a promoter, as a business person, you know, you, you got to play this in a way that kind of teases people to stick around, even if you're not planning. The, this yeah. weird just throwing the cold water on everyone in the middle of this victory lap is just perplexing yeah. and befuddling.
Yeah. But, Unless you're trying to um, get rid of a certain segment of your audience, which I think is probably yeah. the last part of her quote that you wanted to talk about, <laughs> I'm assuming. Yes, yes. I, you know, in terms of because the issue of toxic fandom has come up, and it's funny because you and I have both had our run-ins with portions of that toxic fandom within the Snyder fandom. We have some of the same fans, you and I. We have some <laughs> of the same groupies, even. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, so we we've had our run-ins with the with, with the screen grab militia. Who likes to come with the threats and all you know, and 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 they they harass and they come after every every social media post by anyone, even if it has you know, has nothing to do with DC, is just filled with slander and and all this stuff about you know their hashtag mm-hmm. that they're campaigning for, yeah. And there have been you know reports of death threats and there's been all kinds of like legitimately stressful, mm-hmm. ugly, nasty things, and I guess you know. Since you're sort of uniquely positioned too, where like you know you're you're, I consider you deeply within the campaign and the Snyder fandom and all of that, but you're mm-hmm. completely separate from the people who handle it that way. And mm-hmm. I guess as we move into this next phase, if there is, which I mean, it sounds like today there was with a million restore the Snyderverse tweets. It seems like we're mm-hmm. we're already sort of rounding the corner into an all new sort of you know campaign here. And I guess as we go into that. What do you think is the best way to campaign for the restoration of the Snyderverse? What do um, you think? I think I always... what The perspective that I took... Um, I mean, back before the Snyder Cut was even announced, I always said that when the Snyder Cut is announced, I assumed something would happen eventually, but I always said um, part two and part three would never happen. Um, mm-hmm. And then after seeing kind of the way things stood when it was announced, I... I said, you know what? Everything is on the table, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, as people, people tend to ask me about this stuff as, as, we, as we come like, to the release, what, how many views does it need? You know, what numbers are they looking for in order to, like, and who knows? Obviously, yeah. it didn't matter how many numbers yeah, they had. Yeah, it they seems like no matter what. Anyway. <clears throat> yeah. so, so that stuff is always hard to answer. But w- w- the one thing I did say was that um, the, the Snyder Cut, um, was a very unique situation where Zach shot 100% of principal photography and he was in uh, post-production up until like six months before the movie was supposed to be released. You know, there's a lot of the movie done at that point. A lot of argument about how done is that, how much funding would it need to be done, whatever. And that was the source of a lot of fighting on the internet over like the definition. And you were one of the first ones I appreciated you pointing this out. There's no definition of done. What does done yeah. mean? What does exist mean? Um some people would say it doesn't exist, and what they mean is there's not a 100% complete cut that is done. And then fans would say, well, nobody's saying there's a 100% fan cut that's done. We're just saying it's close enough. But then yeah, another that was fan the thing. would no say... One, everyone was having two different conversations. Some people yeah. were having the, does it exist? And some people were having the, like, the, the it was up in the air. Is The, yeah. the it is a finished, <laughs> finalized, ready-to-go release thing. And that's what people were saying, no, that does not exist. Yeah. But the, the actual rough cut obviously existed. And it was the most baffling thing that people were still fighting about that for years afterward. Sorry, yeah. you just you brought that up. No, yeah, and it was it was extremely frustrating. Well, and speaking of like the kind of toxicity that you and I got was very much related to our interpretation of like where you know what what exist meant and where it was in that process. Mm-hmm. Um, but the bottom line was that the the state of the cut 
um, did not need a a full movie budget to complete. Um, mm-hmm. It ended up needing about seventy million dollars. That's another thing that I think is kind of dishonest. People say like, okay, so you add that on to the theatrical budget, now you got three hundred and seventy million dollars. No, 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 it's ridiculous. No, it's different bank accounts. Yeah, exactly. They close that that movie came out. They 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 closed the books on it, put it away. The company got bought by AT and T, Warner Media. Um, they they gave Snyder seventy million dollars to make a movie using archive footage, and added some stuff to it. And so and mm-hmm. so. Yeah, sure. This movie benefits from the budget of the original movie, um, but it is it is as far as their accounting goes. This is a seventy million dollar movie that happens yep. to have the production value of a three hundred million dollar movie. Which, yep. once again, how do you say no to that? That was kind of that was the thing that I I was saying leading up to it is you can't say no to that, and obviously they didn't. Yeah. Um. So so, but the ask for that, even if you're asking for forty million dollars or seventy million dollars or whatever it's going to cost. You can have a, you know, you see these fan campaigns will get TV shows renewed or whatever because the dollar amount that you're talking about there is a lot easier to monetize. Now, the movie is out. That's done. Now we're talking about Justice League 2 and Justice League 3. The ask for that is re-sign Ben Affleck, re-sign Henry Cavill, um, you know, re-sign, you know, whoever all is in the cast free up space and everybody's schedule, you know, Affleck's schedule is on is, top of what some of these people are already doing. Cause some of them are already in yeah. other movies, right? Like Ezra Miller and there's going to be an Aquaman <laughs> two and there's going to be a yeah, exactly. Wonder woman three. So there's, there's contracts, there's scheduling. Um, and then you're going to need a $300 million budget, $250 million budget, whatever, which is a, which you, you, the size of the Snyder cut campaign, um, was not, I don't think it's not sufficient to get, that ask it doesn't have that mm-hmm. kind of pull that's not to say it doesn't have pull i always compared it to um you familiar with the story of gideon from the no. bible no um it's a um, the short version is basically um that the the god was testing the israelite army um against their enemies and um and chose the chosen leader gideon um he used he basically was like i will lead you to victory but you need to do everything i say um it's like a story of faith or whatever okay so, yeah and so piece by piece, he has Gideon like basically send most of his army home based on these seemingly kind of arbitrary tests of send them down to the river. And if they if they drink from their hand, then keep them. If they put their their if they drink straight from the stream, like with their mouth, then send them home to their family. And eventually he had like 25 percent or 10 percent or mm. whatever of his original fighting force. And then um, and then God was like, OK, so now give every man a torch and then give him like a clay jar with a torch inside of it or something like that. And in the middle of the night, they they went to attack the enemy, and they didn't have any weapons or anything, but they all had these torches in these clay jars. And then when they got to the enemy, they they threw the jars on the ground. Um, it shattered and made a lot of noise, and all of a sudden, there was like twice the number of torches. And um, not every soldier normally carries a torch because they also have to carry a sword. But so because of the number of torches and the amount of noise that was being made it looked like it was a huge fighting force oh, and wow. the enemy turned on each other and killed each other in their own camp. They didn't need to even have a single sword because the enemy like literally was like, yeah, each other because they were so freaked out. So as a like parable, I, I always kind of saw the Snyder cut movement as, as that you don't have the fighting force to defeat this other army, but, but... like, look at, look at Comic-Con. There was like 10 people on the ground in the organized Snyder cut campaign there. Um, yeah, it was hard to get people on the ground, not to say that nobody on the ground wanted it, but that like from the like organized people who were there explicitly for that purpose, there was not that many. 
but nobody knew that because there were billboards everywhere. There were people handing out T-shirts. There was a plane flying yeah. over. So it from felt anyone like a lot more anyone following it from the news was like, "Whoa, this stuff is everywhere." Um, whereas if someone was on the ground, they were like, "No, I don't see any. I don't see anybody." Or they couldn't even find the billboards because they'd have to go like you know down the street on the highway, whatever. Mm-hmm. But you know, if you're on Twitter, there's a picture of it. And you're like, "Whoa, there's billboards all over Comic Con." Yeah. So it <laughs> yeah, gave us a perception yeah. of of way more than there was. So that's enough to get seventy million dollars, apparently. Yeah. Is that enough to get two hundred fifty million dollars? No. What is a strong response to the Snyder Cut? Yeah. So to me, I always said, you can get sequels if you show um, up, like the product itself. Like once once it was greenlit, and then you had some other small fights about Zach getting money for um, for reshoots and and other stuff like that that like fans needed to kind of give him the clout to do. But like once the property marketing campaign started. And they had the money to target millions of people. All of a sudden, the the influence of the Snyder Cut army or movement or whatever you want to call it um, is not relevant in the same way that it was. Um, and that extends out into the second the movie dropped and reviews hit and people reacted to it. If it had gotten a reception like BVS, you're not gonna you're you are not no. going to hashtag your way into a sequel. However, no. you get reviews like you got now. You have a day where organically you get a million people saying restore the Snyder cut, including like verified accounts with hundreds of thousands of followers, you know, organically coming together and saying, we want to see more of this. We're excited about the future of the brand. Now you have a shot. Um, yeah. So whether or not, well, it'll happen. I don't know. But in terms of like, of all the, of all the universes in the multiverse, this is the one that has the best shot um, at getting it to happen. I think is maybe the right way to, to phrase it. Yeah. I agree. And I and I feel like though this time this time I can just only hope though that like the harassment doesn't have to happen. There's a way to campaign and ask for this stuff without it going into death threats, yeah. without it getting personal and vile and you're trying to track down people's personal information and you know, it's like there I can only hope that as we go into the whole restore the Snyder verse, the saner amongst the, 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 the campaigners are the ones who kind of get the spotlight and are the ones who really kind of push things forward, you know, because it really, I mean, it, I feel like it makes us all look bad. It makes all fans look bad Yeah. when you start going there, because it, it really, it, it lives up to that, that unfortunate reputation of we're like these immature geeks who just want our things. And we're, you know, we're, we're, mm-hmm. we're, you know, just overgrown man babies. And yeah. it's like, I just really hope that like the toxic element disappears. Let's focus on productively asking for what we want, using the hashtag, watching the movie, encouraging mm-hmm. friends and family to watch the movie and generally just create such a demand for it that the studio would be ridiculously stupid to not try to continue up on it. I mean, they already are mm-hmm. coming off ridiculously stupid. Yeah. But like, I feel like if you make enough positive noise, I mean, the funny thing is earlier that day, Owen Gleiberman, who writes for Variety, he's a critic who's been working for like 35 years already. Mm-hmm. He, he, he wrote this whole thing about how like on what planet would you not want more of the Snyderverse? What company would not Mm. want to produce more of this when there's all of this like genuine love and passion for this? Because that's something too, like Mm -hmm. when you're selling a product, the thing you want more than anything 
are for customers to feel passionately about it, to feel something, to be invested, to have a horse in the race, to be like, oh, I, I, I not only like this thing, but I need to tell everyone how much I like this thing so that everyone mm -hmm. can see it. And it's like with the Snyder stuff, like they've got a very engaged fan base there that clearly is growing. It mm -hmm. is growing, even though the Snyderverse officially ended like four years ago in a way, kind mm -hmm. of. It's actually grown in popularity because yeah. of all of these passionate people. So it's like if you're a company and you have a product and you have all these people who feel this way about your product, why would you treat them this way? If this is how the product performs as you are actively trying to strangle it. Yeah, imagine, imagine if they would have tried promoting it. Yeah, imagine what happened. Because like... Warner Brothers didn't even promote the movie. No, they didn't. It was it was paid for by HBO Max. It was promoted by HBO Max and AT and T and every single AT and T social account pulled out all the stuff. I mean, Looney mm -hmm. Tunes was promoting this movie. Um, you know, the TNT account was promoting this movie. Yeah, but like but Warner the Brothers film division just yeah wanted nothing to do with it. And just man, imagine what would happen if they would tap into that passion from the fans and like what they could do if they were to to wield that in a smart way. Um, it's so it's. It's weird. I think that when it comes to the toxic fans, though, the thing that I'm the most excited about is that, as as I said before, I think a lot of the toxicity was kind of the result of that, like, does it exist, doesn't, does it not exist yes. question. That was, like, one half of it. Um, and we don't have that this time around. Like, there's no argument about whether, I mean, hopefully, you know, there's always conspiracies, but I don't think anybody's <laughs> about to make the case that, like, he secretly shot Justice League 2. Yeah. Um, yeah. And... So then the other, so there was always two, I always saw the the original Snyder Cut campaign as like kind of two, um, um, if, if you think about it from a sales perspective, you've got to overcome objections from your customer um, or from anybody to convince them of something. And so the two objections were, it doesn't exist and it wouldn't be good. Um, or I guess if you want to split it into three, it would be, it, it wasn't very much, it wasn't very different from the other, other from the Whedon version. Um, it doesn't exist and it's not good. And so you kind of have to convince to win someone over, they have to decide, okay, it does exist, it, I would enjoy it, and it would be drastically different than the other one to the point that justifies doing a another cut. Um, and now, I think, because you don't have as many objections, there's not as much like to fight about. That's um, true. It's strictly, would it be good, or what, is, is it worth being excited about? And most people seem to be in favor of that now. Even people that aren't like actively campaigning for it, um, or I would say the people that actively don't want it to happen are a are a minority now. Yeah. Um, and um, and because of the success of the movie, that's the case. And so um, the problem with the toxicity, as we you know, as we both experienced personally, um, it was a problem. But also the thing that like never got fully examined and like felt very dishonest about the conversation around toxicity is um why it happened or why it existed and this isn't to apologize yeah no i, I know for what you're the, gonna say, for the yeah. toxicity but that um these are fans who respond very passionately to this director i mean there are people that say Zack that are saved their lives yeah um and that's not like hyperbole that's like no, he yeah. makes movies about people that touch people in a very personal way some people that repels but other people that inspires them and and um Literally, they say save their lives, and I don't. I, you know, I know some of these people personally who are like, I had the only reason I made it through 2016 was because I knew Batman v Superman was coming, mm. and that was the only thing I had to look forward to in my life. And wow. and then so to, then to have so imagine being that person 
and then having the response on the internet be what it was, you have two choices, right? Either give up or fight back against the people that are fight attacking back. the thing that saved your life. Yeah. Um, and then and you hear what he went through on Justice League and what happened with Autumn and yeah. suddenly becomes this personal battle, right? Exactly. And the people that are that are opposed to the movies or opposed to what happening, some people just didn't like it and that's, you know, and were reasonable about it. But then you had people who would characterize, oh, if you like this, you're an you're a Nazi or you're a, mm-hmm. you know, it's only only alt-right straight white men who who like this stuff and you know, he's yeah. got a very diverse fan base. Um and um it's it's there's there's so much toxicity in the criticism of the of the movies and of the fans and and it, it goes both ways because some people are, are being critical of the fans in the way that they are because they've been treated by poorly by the fans but imagine being promised by the studio oh hey you liked these movies here's this whole slate that you're going to get and then yeah. one of them doesn't go great and the people who call you a nazi convince the studio to can the guy who saved your life and they they erase it with Joss Whedon. You know it exists. They tell you it doesn't exist. You know it would be better. They tell you it wouldn't be better. You know that it could be released. They tell you it won't be released. Um, and yeah. then and then and and there and there's this snarky attitude around it. Um, I'm n- none of the way that people reacted was defensible. But you can understand why there would be a push. You can see why there would be anger and hostility. And some people channeled that in a good way and tried to use it to convince people, to show people how they were behaving poorly or, or to, um, or to convince them that, you know, the movie did exist and would be good. But then some people who, I don't know, are a little weaker of character or of, um, you know, maybe didn't have the communication skill or the friends that they needed to kind of point them in the right direction, um, did not respond that way. They would say, well, you, you encouraged the studio to do this to him. And then after they did it to him, you said they didn't do it to him. And then when yeah. it was proved they did it to him, you said he deserved it. And then when you finally came to the point where you said, you know what, he didn't deserve it, but we've got all this other stuff that's better to look forward to anyway. Just as they was a step in the right direction. We've got this other stuff that's more exciting to look for. And you're like, but you, you can't just sweep this under the rug after what happened, what you did to him, what you did to his fan base, what you, you know, whatever. Yeah. And then, and then the response is, well, you guys are toxic. And it's like, no, that dude is an asshole. And we all know he's an asshole. Like as a fandom, like we reject them too, but you're pointing at them and then painting everyone with that yeah. brush. Um, and it's so whenever you get into group, group think and tribalism and all that sort of stuff, it's a, um, there's especially on Twitter. There's no way to have that conversation. It's impossible. But there's a there's a lack of empathy. I think maybe is the bottom mm-hmm. line on both sides of of fans not being patient or being able to explain their case, and then people is assuming they're like, oh, you like this movie, therefore you support sending death threats to people. Yeah. And it's, yeah, yeah. So, but look, I I want to end things on a, on a more positive note. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And so, so now let's go here. Now let's say the Snyder verse there's, they decide that there's one way that they could continue it, or there's one bit of what he teased that they can continue on you, mm-hmm. Steven, what would be like the one thing that you would really want to see continued? 
aside from JL two and three, like of all the different <laughs> threads dropped in there, little plot points or mm -hmm. character things, what's the one thing that you would want? Is it a cyborg movie? Is it the Batman Deathstroke thing? Is it you know just like, of the, the things he teased? The Affleck Batman stuff, I think, is one of the things that has maybe the, a lot of the most mainstream support. Um, I think the idea of a a nightmare something is what a lot of people are excited for. And I think what he was trying to kind of gin up some excitement for with um, kind of his reshoots and stuff with, yeah. with Justice League. Um, because you, if you think about it, that's kind of like if you're going to do a of all of these movies, if you're going to do whatever the minimal budget version is, yeah. man, Mad Max style Justice League movie, you could do on a shoestring budget. Yeah. Um, and, uh, um, you know, there's still stuff, you know, stuff you have to worry about that's going to, you know, it's not going to exactly be like a, a John Wick budget, but let's say they decided to do it as a mini series instead of a movie yeah. and it's set like almost entirely in the nightmare. Um, there's a lot of stuff you could do with that, you know, shoot, shoot it like they did the Mandalorian and in the volume. Like I was going to say that I'm like, if, if they could get Snyder a volume, <laughs> He yeah. could move. He can make these movies for like half the budget, and then this yeah. is the I mean, issue he's at all. <laughs> he's already. I mean, he's and that's why they liked him in the first place. Is because you know three hundred. Oh, yeah, that's how three hundred. Yeah, you know, made put like made him such a huge star too, because it looked amazing. But he did it all on a soundstage, and it was like yeah. dirt cheap. Um, and I think he's never gotten, or I shouldn't say never gotten enough credit. But I think that of the people appreciate that his movies look good, but they don't fully appreciate that like they all look way more expensive than they should be. And even like justice league or BV, like let's say BVS, which is so expensive. There's like, you know, $300 million movie or whatever, you know, people say that it's even more expensive off the books. Yeah. Um, but it does way more than most movies of that scope do. And it looks better than they, than they do. And it holds up for longer. Um, and, uh, so anyway, but the point is that he, he can do a lot with a little, yeah. um, and uh, I don't think that I think that um, he could find a way to do Justice League two and three that wouldn't require it to be like the question that you're trying to force me into. Um, I could pull a Tarantino. <laughs> I reject the that premise. <laughs> but, um, I, I would so I would say some sort of a, a, a nightmare miniseries would be would be my my preference. But if they would just approach the negotiation table. I bet they could find some equitable solutions to finish his story for um, a lot less than okay. um, than necessary, or for the you know for for a big budget and find a way to monetize it. I mean, if they want to, the the way they were talking about splitting up the um, this version of the movie across yeah. uh, multiple make it weeks, run, you know, make it an eight episode thing and get two months worth of subs out of it. You know? Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's so many ways to like a little bit of outside the box thinking. Um, could go a long way with him on this and the the stonewalling is uh um is the only yeah. thing but so 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 that's your answer so if we can get more snyder verse goodness you want literally the main line story he wants to tell you want to continue down that nightmare path well, you wouldn't it doesn't even have to be the satisfied. main I mean, it could be like for example one of the things he was talking about was um like what the nightmare was kind of there's multiple things going on but like you take the joker for example mm -hmm. The Joker is was being set up to go on a. Um, he was going to go steal a mother box, and the mother box is what they use to build the cosmic treadmill. And the cosmic treadmill is how Flash comes back to yeah. do the, the. Am I too soon? Yeah. Lois is the key. Yeah, all yeah, that. Yeah. Um, so speaking of like, you take Jared Leto's Joker and just do a Mad Max movie. With, yeah. 
Jared Leto's Joker as an anti-hero lead. That'd be cheap. Um, yeah, for they could do it. Thirty million dollars. Yeah. Right. Um, I mean, he's, you've already got that Mad Max aesthetic with him, right? He's mm-hmm. he's like a straight up war boy from from Fury yeah. Road. Yeah. Get yeah, Junkie yeah. XL to do that Mad Max score and shoot it in the volume, <laughs> right? Like yeah. you could do so much with that, and that's and that's a that is a quasi mainline story, but does not require you to bite off that whole Justice League two. Yeah, um, and again, it's a it's the multiverse. You label it like DC yeah. Black Label, and you continue, and you I do meant, the nightmare. A four thing. episode, yeah, four episode Jared Leto in the in the post apocalyptic desert, stealing a mother box from Dark Side and evil Superman, yeah. leading a convoy of Batman soldiers, like. And you get Richard Citrone to basically be the Batman who's in the suit all the time. And you get yeah. Ben there for like a day just to do close-ups of him and the cowl. And yeah. once again say, I will fucking kill you. But, uh, <laughs> right. you know, like you could minimize Ben's time on set and still tell that story. So I'm with you. Yeah. Okay, so so that's your answer for that. But then, And then the last question is, for things that are like not Snyderverse related. Now for the actual future that's been presented, things that yeah. have been announced, what is the thing that's on the horizon for DC that you're most, you know, excited to see? Hmm. It's weird cuz I'll I'll say as a as a Snyder fan, what Anne said in this recent thing kind of diminished a lot of excitement yeah. that I have for other projects because like I said I can see the puppet strings and it feels very much like Berlanti is the future. Mm. <laughs> and, yeah, which I'm not into that. However, um, both what James Gunn is doing with the Suicide Squad and what Matt Reeves is doing with um, with the Batman um, look really, really cool, and I'm really excited to see that. I think uh, James Gunn is working with a a level of budget and um, grit and um, sort of creative freedom that he hasn't had before, because um, yeah. more of his like more of his edgy stuff has been yeah, like I was gonna super say, it's more budget. his speed to kind of have like more uh, he to have like dark humor and violence and things yeah exactly little, but yeah. when yeah, but when he does that stuff he's got to work on like a 10 million dollar budget versus yeah. when he gets a 200 million dollar budget it's, yeah oh here's baby Groot which is great um but so to say here's a 250 million dollar budget and we want the swearing we want the blood we want the um the yeah, full I think, unabashed James Gunn experience. <laughs> yeah, so so that's really exciting. And then I, I'm a huge Matt Reeves fan. Yeah, um, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes is one of my favorite movies. Um, I think Robert Pattinson is going to bring re- something really special to the movie. Um, that first um, teaser from Fandom was was really cool. Um, and so I don't know. It's really hard to be a Batman fan and not be yeah be all about that. So yeah. Um, so there's definitely stuff coming down the the, the pipeline that's exciting. But um, to when they're talking about plans and they have to proceed everything with these qualifiers that that are cutting out, like you know, if they don't want Snyder, then why would they want more of Matt Reeves, for example? What Matt Reeves is doing se- seems very much outside of yeah. It looks like David they Fincher like, Seven grown yeah. up, yeah. Um, so you know what it is for me the, the the one that I'm most looking forward to, believe it or not, is uh, Black Adam. Because I feel yeah. like Dwayne Johnson has been working on this for a while, like developing it behind the scenes. He's, you know, he seems very invested in getting this right. And I was a big fan of Shazam, and I'm very interested in seeing how, like, Black Adam eventually. Yeah, you, know, you got to assume that they're setting up something where they face each other, right? Yeah. And there's also the rumors that, like, Henry Cavill Superman could potentially fly again in those movies, right? Mm-hmm. So. 
you know, on it, and and with the new news about Doctor Fade and the Justice Society and Hawkman and all that, I just feel like that Black Adam movie is like a sleeper thing right now, where it's like it's far off, so no one's really talking about it. But when you talk about the yeah. Justice Society, mm-hmm. the way it connects to Shazam, the possibility for Superman, Black Adam could be its own huge pivot point in DC on film in and of itself. You know? Yeah, I agree. I think that that's a that's a good one to bring up because I'm. I'm at this point more curious because there's two versions, especially with it being like a a, a thing that's coming from The Rock. Mm. I feel like there's two different versions of that movie, two drastically different versions of that movie that I and I don't know which one to expect it to be yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and there's the like he can do the the like hardcore R-rated, um, or hard PG-13 or whatever version of this movie that would be awesome. Um, but also with The Rock, you can get a very comedic, very yes, um, very tongue in cheek. Like especially when you bring in the Justice Society and Hawkman and all that, you could get an awesome version of Hawkman, or you could get like a Taika Waititi, like mm, what, yeah. You know, I guess it's going to depend on the tone, right? But but I feel yeah. like the, what they showed us at Fandom looked pretty serious. It almost looked Snyderian in a way. Like it had like. <laughs> with the gods and the mythology it looked a little grandiose and yeah you know exactly so. that's what's got my curiosity for sure there's just that part of my brain that's like you you i always know that there's a chance this turns into like i love the jumanji movies but yeah if you're gonna say there's a ver- there's a jumanji version of this and there's a um i'm trying to think of another rock movie like a more like serious not, rock that's not fast and furious but i mean like pain and gain is like also very like yeah. funny but also it's got that like hard yes but um got an edge to um, it yeah, but if, yeah, you're gonna tell me there's two different versions of this, and the, and one is like the the Jumanji version, which is like, oh, that'd be great, like a Shazam, but with Black Adam. Yeah, um, I mean Shazam then, is a good example. I uh-huh. guess we're probably hoping that it's not like Shazam's tone, right? You know, like yeah. the Black Adam movie hopefully has well, more of. A, I even like Shazam. It's just the fact that it's it's um because it's a story about kids that it it dictates kind of yeah. the content to an extent, and this is not a story about kids, but so how. So how far outside of that kind of template are they going to go? Yeah. And um, there, there, there is a version of Black Adam that I could be very excited about, but it's hard to like. I don't want to get my brain to that point only to get have it arrive and be like, oh, I psyched myself out on this one, and I should yeah. have. Yeah. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. <laughs> well, look, any way you any way you slice it, we're sitting at a very interesting sort of like intersection or crossroads here when mm-hmm. it comes to like DC's future. And uh, I hope to have you on again as as more store as more of this envelops uh, envelops unfolds or develops <laughs> yes. envelops. Yeah. Uh, I hope to have that. you on to discuss it because like I feel like the weeks and months to come, especially after today with the million tweets for restore the Snyderverse, and we're still mm-hmm. fresh off what Anne said. And meanwhile, Justice is Gray just came out earlier today, so there's like a fresh wave of buzz around the black and white version of this movie. Yeah. Like the weeks and months ahead are going to be very interesting, so uh, yeah. I hope to have you back on. I really yeah. appreciate you coming on. Is, how can people find you over on the Twitter, Stephen? Yes, yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at uh, SM Colbert. Um, and like we said, I write for ScreenRant.com. And so if you are interested in a deeper dive in some of what we talked about here, I have an article up um, covering a lot of that. I also do um, a couple podcasts. Yeah, I was about um, to ask you talk about your by the minute show. Say maybe we buried the lead on my my thoughts on Zack Snyder movies. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, um, I I co-host. Um, um, I guess we, we are at this point. We should just call it the Snyder Minute podcasts. 
Oh, um, yeah. But because we have BVS by the minute, and we are about ninety-five or so minutes into that, and what it is, wow. we do one minute of the movie at a time, which um, wild sounds crazy. We thought it was crazy, but as it turns out, as we got into it, um, the movie is actually like built that way. Whereas it's every every minute of the movie is like perfectly packaged for an episode of the show, which is wow um, hard to even describe. Like to the point where, like, like for example. Not only is the the one shot nightmare fight take with Richard Citrone, not only is that a exactly one minute long from the beginning to the end of him doing that whole nightmare it, single take it's thing. A minute? Where he yeah, it's exactly one minute long. Climbs out of the truck, fights Can the I camera hear? goes around the parademons and the helicopter. Yeah. So not only is that is that one minute long, it starts right about zero seconds on that minute and ends right about fifty nine seconds on that minute. So <laughs> it's not like it's cut off halfway between yeah, the episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that is very very common that that happens and i've been we're doing justice league by the minute now also um and uh that's taking, gonna be a long one it's a four it is hour movie. but I'm, i've been looking ahead and even like later like the entire third act um divides up almost perfectly to the point of like wow. like barry's run is is going to be an, its own standalone episode we're not cutting barry's speed force run in yeah. half um amazing and that kind of thing and so it's crazy to know that like and we asked snyder about it and he basically said like well he doesn't like do it with a stopwatch, but he, the the fact that it divides up so cleanly, um, is like not by accident because he's so meticulous with the way he constructs this stuff. So, um, actually, anyway, point is, it's it's, fa- it's fascinating if you want to <laughs> just for the, the how does that work? Like, definitely check those out at uh, SnyderMinute.com. Yeah, so you got BVS by the minute, Justice League by the minute. Now you're gonna mm-hmm. go back and do Man of Steel by the minute when that's yeah. over, right? Eventually, so, yeah, we've been talking yeah. about that, but that's we'll, we gotta. Workload is is always a thing, but yeah, Man yeah. of Steel is coming eventually for sure. And, and you'll appreciate this actually because you saying that every minute kind of has plenty to say about it too, and it really like you know it, it, the way that works out. To me, it reminds me of like earlier this week, I was raving. Listen to this sentence: I was raving about Zack Snyder's Justice League to my mom. <laughs> and in talking to her about it and by the way she's super i I fanboyed the hell out of her and now she i I gave her like a live fanboy podcast on the drive home the other day and she's like all locked in and ready but one of the compliments i gave snyder and that's why to me it's not so peculiar that you could do the podcast that you're doing is that everything means something everything in every shot is deliberate nothing is by accident everything has some other meaning or a reason for being there. And mm-hmm. I told my mom about that because she's like me too. Like she loves to try to look for the, you know, the, the poetic sort of meanings behind things or why is this shot this way or why are they holding that thing or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. And like a lot of filmmakers, you know, you don't really get the sense that like they put thought into every, like, why is that mug and that corner of the frame, you know, mm-hmm. with Snyder, you get the sense that every single thing you see was done for a reason. And yeah. if you want to like pause it and examine it, you'll find out what that thing is. Yeah. And you know? people are always shocked that we're able to do that with our podcast. And I think we were just as much as everyone where like, we, we need to hold back with what we talk about every every minute to avoid mining like future minutes too much yeah. because of the point where we're like you look at a single like you go into Lex's office for example in the in Batman v Superman and yeah. in the architecture and the decorations and the the all the different things going on you could 
you could we could examine his entire character arc yeah, in the entire yeah. movie with just, just the set everywhere. dressing in there. Yeah. Um, and so we got to say like, okay, let's just talk about the parts of this that apply to this minute because otherwise yeah. we're gonna get later. Remember when we talked about this? Well, just cross apply. But it's um, it's been it's been fascinating, and our our listeners tend to tend to agree. So we appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> yes, and 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 that that goes up when? What day of the week do you put up your by the minute? Um, we. That's that's the sore subject. Oh, so it floats. Okay, listen, mine no, we, floats too. My show yeah, doesn't no, we, always we try to do, either. We try to do like Mondays and Fridays, um, and yeah. and we, we we stick to it pretty consistently. But um, you know, we both got young kids, and uh, um, so finding time to record and then edit and then um, and then get it all up is a little bit inconsistent. But um, generally, Monday and Friday, we're taking a brief hiatus on BVS as we get just League up and running. But I, yeah. I think the intention eventually is going to be. Uh, for a while, we'll do Justice League Monday, Friday, and BVS on Wednesdays. Okay. Um, so, um, so once once all once all the wheels are greased and rolling, hopefully people have three episodes a week, which is kind of crazy to think wow. about that we've gotten to that like point. It. But yeah, I like it. And, and one thing, since I'm just thinking about this now, like I, I, I keep trying to wrap us up, but I just like having. <laughs> but like, like in Batman versus Superman, for example, in the scene where Clark and Bruce meet at that function, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like I remember when, when I went back and watched the Ultimate Edition, and I decided, you know, because uh, and enough people had come through to me and said, "No, you need to give these movies another chance." Snyder's mm-hmm. very meticulous and it's very detail oriented. Whatever. When I was when I went back and finally revisited it, I even noticed something as subtle as like the little piano music that's playing in the background when Clark and Bruce meet like the jazz song, it's night and day. Mm-hmm. And what do we always say? You know, Batman is like night and Superman is the light. And yeah, you know, and of course night and day is playing when Bruce and Clark meet like it, all throughout all the movies. I mean, that, that's a very sort of obvious example, I guess. Yeah. But I feel like overall, like every single thing was chosen. And yeah, I, exactly. I appreciate the hell. Out, even if I don't love everything that's chosen, the fact that this filmmaker cares this much about the story he's telling innately makes me care more. You know, exactly. And you've got something very similar to that with like Justice League, where the um, the Nick Cave and the Bad Seed song that plays when Aquaman comes out of the bar and goes down yeah. the pier in a slow motion um, is um, so. It's there is a kingdom, um, and and there is a king, and so obviously that kind of that, yeah. That, on its on its nose kind of applies to him, but the thing that my uh, my co-host Andrew Dice pointed out that really blew my mind about that is that um, I guess that's a little bit of a downer. <laughs> um, <laughs> but Nick Cave um, is known for talking um, like his uh, talks that he's given and things that he's written about uh, like dealing with grief as a parent mm. because he lost his child um, at the age of fifteen, his son whose name was Arthur. Um, oh wow! And um, and so, and so, there's a lot of stuff where you where you you look at it and you know that there's two, the um the song that plays when um they told us our gods would outlive us um mm-hmm. with uh, uh day um, uh, distant skies I think is what it's called, Something um like that yeah that plays when Lois walks down that's also them and that's about that's, mm. people say it's a husband and a wife dealing with with loss, and so it's like wow did he. Did he choose those after everything that happened? Yeah, um, because they fit so well. But there's there's meaning, and not just meaning to like the the characters and the plot in the moment, but also like there's there's a personal meaning to Snyder also. Um, 
and um and that's and that is a typical <laughs> minute yeah. to minute thing that you find where it's like how is there, there's so much in the dna of every frame that, every yeah know. well you know what this Zack snyder guy's pretty darn good <laughs> who knew you know i would really yeah. love to see more of his dc work hopefully yeah. someone will restore the snyderverse that'd be pretty great but for we now, Stephen got other cool stuff going on too, though. So that's exciting. yes, he does. I'm very much looking forward to Army of the Dead. But Stephen, thank you so much for coming on the fanboy this week. This has been great. I feel like we gave people more than enough to yeah. to, to chew on here, and there's going to be a lot more to talk about. So let's do this again sometime, right? Perfect. Thanks. Stephen's a good dude. What can I say? He's good people. You know, that conversation lived up. I've been trying to get him on for a while. I've, or rather, I should say I've been trying, but I've, I've, I've had it in the back of my mind for months that I would love to have Steven on. And finally, the stars aligned. It happened. We had our big talk about the Snyder Cut. And um, look, it's been a hell of a week. It's been eight days. It's been a week now. Eight days when you hear, get, this, get this episode. But for me, it's been a week since I saw... Zack Snyder's Justice League after all these years. And, uh, you know, it's been a real sort of roller coaster ride because, again, I'm very intrigued and I find myself very interested in where he was going. And that's so funny because exactly five years ago tonight, in fact, at this exact time, because right now it's 1218, it's just past midnight on Thursday night, it's the early hours of Friday. And at this exact time, five years ago, I was sitting upstairs in my office chair filming a video review for the theatrical cut of Batman vs. Superman, because I saw it the Thursday preview night and then came home and recorded about it. So right now, as we speak, I'm living the five-year anniversary of BVS. And if you would have told the me of back then that I'd be sitting here lamenting the fact that we're not going to get to see where Snyder was taking things. I would have laughed in your damn face, but uh, it's funny because I, I, and I, I just re-uploaded that, that video review. It's like 23 minutes long. Uh, if you want to go back and revisit where I was five years ago tonight, you could find that at the Superman on film YouTube channel, which you should totally be subscribed to by the way. But um yeah, folks, I hope you enjoyed this week's show. I hope you'll consider leaving me a positive review. It's been a lot of fun bringing this show back a few months and 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 having this fuel my desire to kind of get back into the game again and start writing columns and finding out information about these movies and, you know, discussing these things with you in a more full-throated way after I needed about a year and a half away to just sort of recharge my batteries. And part of that, again, is getting Superman on film ready. Superman on film will be ready by April 18th of this year. So we're less than a month away. We're about three weeks away from the site going live. And I've been working feverishly for the last few days, just kind of working on getting the site in order and the branding and the type of content. And, you know, I've been reaching out to people and it's just, this is the fun part. I'm kind of like getting the airplane ready. We're getting onto the runway and soon we're going to take off. But for now, be sure to visit. You know, the, the site is already up. It's supermanonfilm.com with a hyphen between each word. Superman-on-film.com. You can already go have a look at just the placeholder site that's there. And guess what? 
There is a merchandise store there where you can get yourself some The Fanboy Podcast loot. You can get some mugs and COVID masks and T-shirts and, and, and hoodies. Anything you want is going to be there. And I'm going to be taking a lot more advantage of that. Like there, there's even, um, there is a Life is Chaos Be Kind design that you can get on just about any kind of merchandise you could think of. A lovely gift for the woman in your life. Um, or just a great reminder for you, because listen, these are good, important words. But um, so, yeah, you know, I, I just wanted to mention that that Superman on film has been very top of mind this week. And I really hope you guys are excited for it. A lot of the early buzz I'm hearing for, from the folks who heard that I'm about to launch a Superman-centric news site. A lot of the reactions is, are unbelievably positive. And I'm so grateful that you guys are, are appreciative of my, of my Superman fandom. And that you're willing to let my voice kind of, you know, uh, enter the community, so to speak. As uh, as somebody who loves Superman and uh, has a lot to say about any scrap of information about him. So Superman on film is rapidly approaching. You could find us on social for now, too. You, know, you could follow Superman on film on Twitter. All one word. All one word. Also at Instagram and on Facebook. Superman on film. So follow us across all the socials. Tell your friends. Superman on film is coming. It's going to be a damn good time. I hope you thought episode 130 was a damn good time. And until next week, life is chaos. Be kind. Adios. <laughs>